If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Good evening. Welcome to Four Blades in Lockdown. And we were hoping to have some cheerier news this week, but I'm afraid... Uh, Having called the Zoom meeting uh, the Dignitas application, it's going to be another um, pretty bleak one. Well, I'm here to guide you through it. I'm John, and I'm joined by Ian. Good evening. Evening. Dan. Good evening. And Phil. Good evening. And as you can tell, we're absolutely vibrant with enthusiasm to talk about what happened on Saturday evening. We've even done it a day earlier, we were that excited, and we've been doing the pods recently. So we went to London on Saturday, we scored a very good goal, and then things started to go terribly, terribly wrong. Um, Dan, your gut comment about the performance, Any where, where should we start? Because I think there's going to be a long section, because I've personally got a lot of grievances, and I'm sure we all are. You know what, I'm not sure where to start. Because, I mean, I tweeted after, I was just about to tweet as we scored, so I tweeted after, um, that this performance is infinitely better than Man City. And then after that, it just, it just descended into another, another nothing of a performance, really. Uh, there's, you know, I'm not sure how many different adjectives I can use to describe it, but nothingness would be, would be fairly accurate. We were just... We were nothing. And it's, I know that doesn't really say much, but without going to... That's kind of how it felt at the time, though. We got nothing. After yeah. scoring, and in particular after Abraham scored, there was just nothing there. And I, I can't really get my head around what changed, other than the score, obviously. But what, what did we stop doing clearly they're a good side and they're going to get into games and that yeah. they're going to they're going to do that against better sides than us although that's not an excuse but what did we stop doing that we were doing so well i don't i can't i can't put my finger on it i don't understand i i, I just felt like we lost <laughs> can only describe it as kind of like of a loss of faith because that first few minutes we opened up we were imposing ourselves I think Baldock had got down that right hand side a couple of times got in good positions put good balls in I'm thinking great this is this is what we want to see we want to see us taking the game to the opposition we get the goal and I'm sure we'll talk about the goal in a bit more detail but you think then great platform and I was actually thinking Christ was I actually not being too optimistic when I said we might nick it by our goal, but then we'd scored probably, and, and deep down I knew we'd scored too early for that. You know, if you're going to take the lead, you don't want to be taking it that early in the game in many ways. But it just felt like as soon as they equalised, our belief just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, and conceding a goal just completely knocked the stuffing out of us. So there was nothing there. When, I guess when you're feeling hard done to, when you're feeling like you're not getting much go your way, and we're not at the moment, although you've got to earn your own luck sometimes, for them to score a goal, the finish happening the way it did, a miss hit scuffed into the ground that spins into the corner right by the post, 
it's got to affect your mentality a little bit. Like, oh, here we go again sort of thing. Yeah. But we just didn't react at all. And that's not us, is it? As a, no. as a side over the last four or five years, all right, there's not been massive amounts of adversity. This is really the first extended period we've had of that under Tufty. But any, any adversity we have faced, you know, bad runs, like, like again, like the Villa game the other season, 3-0 with 10 minutes to go and finish up drawing 3 all. There was a reaction, an, an immediate reaction from the team that the game after and, and reactions within games and reactions to, to things happening to us. And just that seems to have gone at the minute. I suppose, is it unfortunate that we're needing to get a reaction up against Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City? And yeah. that's always going to be difficult for sides. And I don't want to keep harking on to that they're a good side, but because we played good sides last year and we didn't let that happen to us, so there's something else going on. We, we look not just lacking in confidence, lacking in any kind of spirit in the side. There don't seem to be any bollocks about us. I think it's it, it's quite interesting listening to like the what went wrong aspect of it. it like yeah, there is a you know like a, a a blow to the gut, isn't it? If you concede such a like poor goal, really, not just in the way the ball finds its way in the box, but like like you say, Phil, he's not hit that properly, has he? He's not smashed that into the bottom corner. He scuffed it, and literally the bounce has taken away from Ramsdale's glove which I'm sure we'll get onto those gloves in a minute. But I think it, there's just not... Last season, the difference was, obviously, we had better players on the pitch for a start. But it, the things which characterised us, uh, we were in games because we could defend, we were committed, and the effort was there. And and it used to get um, branded around as a bit of a like swear word among players fans. But there was endeavour. In like a, in a spirit, and it was it was visible. It, was, it wasn't one of these things that sometimes happen in football where people say some things a certain thing and then it gets repeated and becomes gospel. You know, like that Eddie Howe's a good manager, for example. People said it enough times that then it became considered to be the right thing, even though he's dreadful, as Dan will agree. But it, we just don't have any of those things on display, and that combined with a poorer set of players, it's just. Where do you then look to? You look to the bench. Weird substitutions. Arguably the wrong team. I don't know. It, there's, it, there's a lot of things that just something's not not right, is there? You know what I mean? Something isn't right in it all. It's, it's just, it's, it's more than something. At the minute, it's everything. It's, it's almost like the perfect storm. So all these, all these things in isolation would have an impact on a club of our stature because of the, the size of squad we've got and the quality of players. Add them all together, and it's just... All these things coming together couldn't have come at a worse time. So, lockdown, no fans in the ground, arguably three be- three of our four or five best players injured, um, every, things on the pitch not going for us, bounce of the ball, bad refereeing de- decisions. It's just everything seems to be coming at once. What, what worries me about it is that I'm not hearing anything from Chris Wilder for the first time in four years that makes me feel that he knows what the answer is or that he can lift them 
and find and reignite some of that spirit that's missing. So I was going to ask this, I was going to wait till a little bit later on, but while we're talking about Wilder, we touched on him briefly last week and, and about him talking about the money City spent and everything like that. He basically said the exact same thing after Chelsea. But he, rather than talking about expensive players, he talks about world-class players. Yeah. Replacing, replacing players with world-class players and we're not fishing in that pond and things like that. And he's not wrong. I'm not saying that what he's saying is not true. I don't care about them. I care about us and what we're not doing. And that's what I want to hear him tell me. We're not doing this right. We're not doing that right. And he touched on it a little bit, but it's it's front foot first about what the other team are doing. And I just don't like it. And I'm not going to start criticising Wilder because he's the best thing that's ever happened to our club. But it's just sounding a bit like a broken record. I've said me off like, for a while and you said the same, Dan. Like, it was winding you up. And he... It's, it's just, again, it's not, it's out of character, isn't it? If he was your mate, you'd be saying, what's up with you? Not in a sort of, you know, like, what's up with you? you what are you being like this for? Like, that's not what you're like. You know what I mean? If you're on, like, down Boozer and somebody was, like, triping on about the same, oh, bloody, you're going home to her again, work getting me down, when normally not like that, you'd be asking them, what is the matter? And I feel like that's what I'd love to know, because it clearly is something the matter. I find that, like the, in retrospect, the, the the decision not to bring in some form of creative midfielder is looking horrendous. Like can't slag off any of our strikers because they're not getting the ball. Absolutely, absolutely not. And, and, and some of the criticism at Booster online. I mean, people talk talk about Ramsdale needing like liking something on on the internet about, you know, like mental health, a, a player who retired when, when he was abused, and that's fair enough. Booster's, Booster's moved to a different city at 19. I imagine he's moved, and he's getting some absolute... I've not seen Brewster get that much stick. I've seen him well, get questioned about his work rate. I haven't seen him getting much stick about his play. I saw him get stick, but it wasn't from United fans. It was right. from... Um, it was from kind of fans of other clubs and um, other other football podcasts and stuff like that, where they were basically saying that's a you know a diabolical performance, however many touches he had over however long he was on, with no context into much of the fact that yeah yes he's had hardly any touches and he, he's not affected the game whatsoever, but if the ball's never anywhere near him, he can't you know he can't do anything about that. There was no context to it. I just can't, and I, yeah, you're right. I can't help thinking had Billy Sharp have played that game from minute one, similar kind of player in theory, goal scorer Johnny on the spot, would have touched the ball more times than seven or eight times in the game. He would have because he would have he would have chased down pointless and this isn't criticism of Sharp. He would have chased down things that didn't need chasing down because of the way he plays as a striker. Um. I wouldn't necessarily say the same, but I just find it all, I find it, it's really depressing that we're like, you know, we needed a striker, so we got one. And then we're like, oh, we need that. And I'm sure, really, gun to the head, we probably need a left-sided centre-half more than we need a creative midfielder. Before we start thinking about scoring goals, we've got to we've got to plug the holes at the back. And it. But, but the, the issue with that for me, John, is it's what we've said before. What we're seeing now is replacing Jack O'Connell is bloody hard. 
Oh, yeah. Replacing Chris Basham in the times, like we said before, would be bloody hard because of the way they play. And we're, we're so imbalanced now that I start thinking about this after Saturday because, you know, Bold Up was one of our better players on Saturday. I mean, it's a low bar. I get that. But Bold Up. Basham, McGoldrick, Egan. And then after that, I'm struggling. But, but everything is going down that right-hand side. So actually, he just gets exposed increasingly because he's he's probably seen more of the ball. He's, he's in positions, those positions more frequently. Yes, like we've said before, and we, we talked last week, you know, the pod the pod title was about him not getting, getting it in. But he, he's increasingly under the focus because actually we're getting overly reliant on him because we're so imbalanced now. Putting low on didn't didn't do anything different. I don't think at the weekend. The thing I just I just took out a WhatsApp that I sent on Saturday because I was trying. So it was probably looking at this. It was probably early second half. Lundstrom's broke down that left side with the ball, and Brewster's alongside him. I think when he receives the ball, and Lundstrom, I don't think Brewster ever gets ahead of him and pushing the defenders on the back back foot and pushing it to the box. I just said, why is he busting his balls to get towards the box? in the hope that there's going to be a ball coming and he just wasn't and look I, I, I accept we're, we're not playing to his game I think laying into the the stuff I've seen I, mean, I should just back out of Facebook because it just winds me up but the, the stuff I've seen about on Ramsdale and on Brewster on some United groups over the last few days is pathetic the one criticism I would make of Brewster is there was times and I get that why people might be frustrated because he that was a perfect opportunity. He, he just seemed to jog up the pitch and never really find space. And he wasn't really trying to, he wasn't looking to try and get into that kind of position. Yeah, I think it's, it's similar. It's a similar thing. Brewster's probably not helping himself at the minute. Neither's mm-hmm. Ramsdale. But there's bigger things that are causing us problems than them. 100%. The, pro- the problem is Ramsdale's are more exposed because they've got a good chance of ending up in the back of the net. The, the, Bruce, the Brewster thing, I was listening to the Total Football Show podcast, I think, on Monday, and Daniel Story was on. They were asking him about United. And statistically, so far this season, we're making 25 to 30% less sprints and winning about the same percentage less tackles than we were last season. That's... Funnily, funnily enough, we've also conceded about 25% more shots. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. Which it's actually it's actually more than that. Which which kind of when, when you were saying earlier on about Tufty saying about you know what he said about Man City spending big money and Chelsea having world class players. There's there's you can kind of hold your hands up if you get passed off the park by Chelsea, by Man City, by Liverpool, by Arsenal. If they have a, you know if they have four times more shots than you have, you can, you can hold your hands up because they can do that to pretty much every club outside the top five percent in Europe. There's no excuse for getting outrun no. and out-tackled at any level. Really, really, so you should be able to put a fourth division side in against Man City and Chelsea. They might get hammered, but they should be covering the same distance at least and putting the same amount of tackles in. And we're not. That's I think that that seems to be a problem. And I don't know. I don't know why that would be. Why why would we would be running less? And that but that comes back to that nothingness you talked about at the start, Dan. Mm. This is and and my frustration with Wilder focusing on the world-class players other clubs have got. Because actually, if ZX runs that game as he did, 
but he's hassled. He's under pressure. We're closing the Chelsea players down. We're making a fight of it. We'd all be frustrated. We'd all be disappointed. But there wouldn't be that level of anger. Um, the, three, the times level of half, three times in the first half, Zayat causes, Zayat causes a problem from almost the same place by just creating space for himself by dropping back and putting a ball towards the far stick. Yeah. Now, United last year would have closed that down or they'd have attacked the ball when it's coming into the box and we're doing neither. And, and it's it, people, modern footballers are clever. They, they know all footballers, I think, are good at what they're doing, but they can pick a, pick a fault in another team during the game. Their game management is outstanding. And they spotted that early on in the game that we were weak down our left-hand side and we weren't defending balls going across into the box. And they just exploited it. Ironically, when we were arguably playing in the last three games the best team and the one who had... Bear mind, they had they did what they did against City and had the, the front three and Yota on. We actually contained Liverpool's chance creation relatively compared to the City. City didn't create much in the second half, but we certainly looked more in the game. And I think we've got to look at the reason of the personnel that Osborne compared to somebody like Lowe, although Osborne, people would say, isn't a functional left-back, etc., adds a certain degree of endeavour, commitment, running, that you won't get off someone like Lowe. And it just so happens, I know we got out-jumped for that goal, but that was a better game that Ender had. It also makes absolutely no sense down that side if we're going to get absolutely done like we did. And you've got a left-hand side of centre-half there. And you don't on the bench. You don't even consider bringing him on. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions like that. So, like I said before, after the City game, didn't I? I said that I thought it was weird that after we played so well against Liverpool, we changed changed the team. And then it's obviously he wants to give Lowe a go. But I also think somebody who's never played in the Premier League, the first couple of games are against Chelsea and City. It's, you can potentially pull carpet out from somebody in terms of the confidence. It's and, and a confidence that's low across the team already. It's it's, yeah. it's really tough, isn't it? I think this without. I think we're going to come on to what happens next, but I think we clearly we clearly missed Ampadu. Whether that's in the Norwood role or whether that's in defence, I think for me it's a given that he comes back into the side because we have to make ourselves harder to beat than we are at the minute. Mm. I think, I think if he comes back in, he comes back in in that left centre left centre half spot. Stevens back, Stevens back out. Yeah, Stevens right. back out and put him in there. I just think we don't we're not overlapping anymore. The overlapping centre halves is not as big a thing anymore. So having a right footer in there, I don't think would hurt us as much as it would have done this time last season when Basham and O'Connell were, were getting forward as they were. I think he goes in there for his for his defensive ability. Because everyone says, oh, Wilder loves it to be balanced. Yeah, he might have done in the past, but he's abandoned that principle in midfield, hasn't he? And needs must at the minute, don't they? I know. We may be, if we're going to segue into it, what needs to change, sort of big picture of the season discussion after looking at the Chelsea game, I think we can maybe discuss changes of formation potentially and stuff in there. But it's very difficult as well, Dan. You just said, like, overlapping centre-arse isn't a thing anymore. I agree. But... 
they're going to wing us. And then people are that adamant as fullbacks can't cross. How the hell are we going to score any goals? Because we can't create. And, he's, he's, and, and this is the thing that, that really sort of like, that is very alarming. Like, we, we talk about someone like Mark Duffy all day long, I'm sure we could. Wilder tried to replace Duffy when we were in League One by signing Carruthers, who we thought was a better, younger player than Duffy. We then had Boy Wonder from Liverpool, who were absolutely horrendous, didn't we? Woodburn was it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then we also, you know... Um, Ricky Holmes as well, didn't we? Uh, Holmes. Uh, God bless Ricky Holmes, he's just left the club this last week. I know, mental, <laughs> mental. Uh, <laughs> Harry, Ch- Harry Chapman was maybe brought in to put pressure on in that position, even though Chapman was a winger. But we, what's interesting about all that is in all those stages, we had Duffy and somebody else. For two years now, we've not had anybody who's what I'd call an attacking midfielder. So I, th- like, I think this is where we're missing Fleck, John. Because Fleck does not. do that role. He did last year. He does, but I, I also think... What we do, what 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 I'm saying is, it's showing the weakness that we needed that player because I think we need one and Fleck in the team, or at least we need to play Fleck, Norwood, and Berger because of the deliveries you get on the right from Norwood, on the left from Fleck, can whip both whip a ball. Sander does ghost in there, and it does look good, and it does get you off your seat a bit. We've not actually scored many goals from him cutting down and pulling it across, have we yet? I tell you what, talking about Sander though, but he had a, as quiet a game as I think I've ever seen him at the United Saturday. Kovacic yeah. was Kovacic was outstanding as well as Ziyech. I thought Kovacic was better than Ziyech. Ziyech got the headline. He could just ran the game steady. The, we had no chance to get on the ball because Kante is running around like it looks like. God, he must be. He must be awful to play against as a, as a central midfielder. Yes. Kante must be absolutely horrible. To play. It looks no like accident. He's won Premier League twice for two different clubs, does it? But it's, I think, I think it's really, we've done really well to not criticise individuals. So we're probably going to have to talk about a few individuals that have come up for a lot of stick. I know we talked about Bruce for a little bit. But when we talk about it like this, it's not a case, it's weird. Because if you go back in time two weeks after the Liverpool game, very much a light at the end of the tunnel thing, Chelsea. You've still got a bit of a soft underbelly. We can get at them. City, it's a free hit. And we did only actually lose 1-0 to City. But after that Chelsea game on Saturday, maybe it's because we don't get battered that often. I felt lower than a snake's belly in terms of my football club. I felt absolutely awful about it. I'm not bothered about when we play next. Thank God there's an international break. And it's just a sorry state of affairs. Yeah, I was less bothered about the scoreline than the performance. You can Losing 2-1, you can concede two quick goals late on because you're trying to do something, although... We didn't really push them back that much, but it was the it was the how easy it was for them to do what they did that pissed me off more than the scoreline. Yeah, you're right. Any, any of the being pretty much any any Premier League side above tenth can beat you by three on any given day, can't they? Mm. I think it's, it's, the, it's the rarity of that happening to us as well. Yeah, it's the yeah. first time since Walsall away. <laughs> Ironically, that's a bit also. Yeah, maybe it's the reaction. So let's let, let's let's pick some players out. I mean, there's there's two or three obvious ones. We've touched on low. We've touched on um, 
Brewster, the, the, the one that's had the most criticisms, obviously, uh, Ramsdale. Some of it, and, and I know we're going to have different opinions here, some of it very much justified. Some of it, I think, over the top based on what's in front of him at the moment. But I genuinely don't see a place where we change him. I think we're, we're stuck with him. I don't think we're going to bring anybody else in either on loan or one of the two goalkeepers that's at the club. I mean, I, I saw someone, I saw a couple of people tweeting yesterday, apparently Man United are willing to let Henderson go on loan in January and a few people were, were tweeting about it already. That's not going to me, It's not going to happen. I don't think that helps anyone. No. Other than, it maybe it was in, in the very short term, but I'm not sure what that would say to Ramsdale. You've spent that much money on and then you've brought Henderson back in. It just, I don't know. The, the nightmare scenario for me is United fans wanking Dean Henderson off on Twitter for the next two months about coming back to Lane in January. I just, I don't want to see that. I really don't. The, the, thing, the really interesting thing is, and there was a really, really good article on, on, online today. There's a webpage called Sheffield United News, and it's talking about the statistics behind our defensive frailties this season. And not only have we conceded something like, it's in excess of 30% more shots. Mm. We, our, our XG against us is actually higher than it was this time last season. And it's, we've actually conceded less goals than what the XG is. So th- there's more going on than just goalkeeping mistakes. There are goalkeeping mistakes but there's a lot more to it than that. He, he was saying that I saw some, uh, probably something that that article was based on, on Twitter. It might have been Blades Analytic or someone he retweeted, but it was along the lines of, if, if you use that XG and how many we've conceded, it would probably put Ramsdale as a, as a mid-ranking Premier League goalkeeper at the minute on what he's facing and where those shots are coming, those opportunities are coming from. There are, Without doubt, there's different stats within that, and you could yeah. flip it and put different stats in that <coughs> would show Henderson was ten times better than he was last season than, than Ramsdale is this season. <laughs> but it, it just comes back to and this is this was my point on Saturday night, and it's still the same now. Yes, Ramsdale deserves criticism, but there's so much going wrong in front of him that that's causing the problems that he's it's not helping like, himself about. It's like we're saying earlier about it being a perfect storm mm. within the the bigger picture of the team the back five and the goalkeeper is almost a perfect storm in microcosm. So within that back, so you've got, so you've got all these things going wrong with injuries and, and, and that sort of thing. But then you pick the back four out, the back five out. We've lost our best defender in O'Connell. Egan, I think, has been up and down so far this season. He's, he's, he's made a couple of mistakes. I think he was at fault for the... Fourth. Was it the fourth goal on Saturday? He did... And this is this is an Achilles heel of his. He gets wrong side a lot of time, and this has led this has led to him being sent off a couple of times, and we've conceded. And he was wrong side of Werner. But well, um, that ball shouldn't go anywhere near him, though. It shouldn't. But but as a defender, you have to work on worst case scenario. You've got to work on that ball's going to come. I've got to be in position, and he's wrong side again. Lowe's not playing well, so that's three out of your back five that are kind of out of out of form or out of position or not playing. And then throw into that a keeper who is probably not as good as the keeper we had last season, has some technical issues with his game, and who at the minute is probably his confidence in, and his rock bottom, which is affecting his decision-making, which I think was highlighted on probably the third goal. 
where he has a bit of, makes a bit of a, a bad decision as a, as a rush of blood comes for it when he's got no chance of getting it and it gets flicked over him it's interesting isn't it because it's that, that confidence that confidence point is an interesting thing because Henderson yeah he's I would say a, the better of the two keepers technically I don't think Henderson, Henderson had some fundamental flaws as well but his social media presence, his engagement and everything meant, I think people glossed over that a bit oh. and he didn't get the hammer. And I think, I feel sorry for Ramsdale certainly in that respect because just Can because I make a point about some of the goals the other day? Hmm. Henderson, for me, his his biggest Achilles heel was his near post. Near post, Ramsdale, yeah. Ramsdale got stick for pushing the ball out for a corner that they scored the second from. Was it what the second um, came from? So Reese James put a cross in that went directly to the near post rather than going to where it should have gone to. And he pushed right. it out for a corner. He kind of scrambled it out for a corner and the, the second goal came from that. I think that would have gone in if that was Henderson in goal. Because he struggles to get down low to his left. Yeah, I mean, but you know my feelings on Henderson. I, I, I think Henderson's good, but I don't think he's as good as he and a lot of other people think he is. I'm still not convinced he's... This Lev Yashin, um, Peter Schmeichel. He'd be playing for Man United if he was. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that, 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 that's by the by, he's not our player anymore. Um, and, and I think, and that, that's one thing, I think the comparisons with Henderson in terms of Henderson would have saved that, they were always going to happen, but they're not helping anyone, are they? No. They're not helping anyone, but I have to say I disagree with you, like Ian, on that point, because I think he's a far superior goalkeeper. And that and that was proven by how many more clean sheets he made last season. Different teams you can't compare the two. Uh, different players in front of them, but I just think Dean Anderson is. He, he, and that's why I don't think you can compare it, John, for all those I'm reasons you've just, just said. He's, I'm just saying he's he's a far better goalkeeper. I think the criticism of Ramsdale. I think what it reminds me of is a little bit of well, generally he's he's, he's sort of almost like it's. Um, it's the same sort of criticism that any keeper or any any goalkeeper in a poor side gets where they're often getting blamed for lots and lots of things that are, the, the problem happens in, in not even that phase of play. It might happen two or three phases of play before where somebody's not doing the job and obviously it results in a goal and as a result, they're the one who's next on the line. I do think with Ramsdale, he does come... Some of the rushing out is a bit like what you're doing. What makes me laugh is that sometimes the people's criticism of it comes from a place where I'm like, what do you know about that? Oh, well, he's not moved his feet in the right way or he's, you know, if he was two yards off his line, he'd give himself this much of a chance. I'm just thinking, how do you, like, like, that's physics. It's not to do with... One, there's not a right or wrong way to necessarily do something. He knows the best way to stand to get up for a corner, etc., etc. And it's something fact, up for me when he got blamed for the Man City goal. I, I mean, unbelievable. Well, Phil, it's the fact, and it goes back to something I've said a number of times, that we're watching games on telly, we are over-analysing everything, we are watching replay after replay after replay of goals. If there is something that the media, because that's the way they want to present their coverage, consider to be a mistake, say, say the first Tammy Abraham goal, and you watch that on, 
on Saturday, I probably saw that goal during the game 15 to 20 times. Of course, I'm going to de- I'm going to develop a strong narrative on why it happened, and if it it does work as it can from various angles, if you show a goal enough angles, that it's the goalkeeper's fault. That becomes gospel. I'm in the ground. I'd say I'd want to see that again. The discussion in the pub in London afterwards and on the train back to Sheffield wouldn't have been all oh, Ramsdale was dodging today. It would have been a, it'd be completely different, not that polarised way of watching football that we're all in, where everything is pulled apart, and it's and it, 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 it's it's not healthy. It's not it, it's not nice. It's it's a rubbish way to consume the game we love, and this is another thing of it that some players are just shouldering all the blame for a really really abject performance by eleven of them. I will say though, I do think Ramsdale does have technical flaws in his game. Based on the level of the analysis, Dan, I just think that it, we may be going a bit... Do you know what I'm saying? See, like, I, I, I'm not sure. I think I think there's, there's one or two... I can't remember the exact ones, but there's, there's a few chances that not, they've not always been goals this season where someone, the opposition have had a shot. And just the way that Ramsdale dives for the ball and his body shape... Early in the season, there were a couple. We talked about it on here. Yeah. He, he couldn't get his foot, footwork moving. He couldn't get his feet right and he, looked, he dived up rather than across, which... I haven't seen that for a while. I think his all-round game's got better. I think his shot stopping's improved to what it was early in the season. It looked like a, a video on slow motion early on in the season with a couple of dives he made. But I do yeah. think his shot stopping, which, let's be honest, is a goalkeeper, he should be a good shot stopper, has got better. It's, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's almost as if, it's almost as if he doesn't know where his posts are. And if anyone, anyone that's played in goal will understand what, what that means. As, as a keeper, when you're confident, you don't need to look behind you to see where you are. You know where you are. You know where the net is at any one time. And he looks like he doesn't at the moment. He's looking like he's having to take a second check of where he is before he's actually making a decision what to do. And that, to me, it's confidence. I don't think that... It's like cricket, isn't it? When you, when you, see, when you see a batsman and, he, and he's on form and he's flying and they interview him after and he just says, when, basically when the bowler's bowling, it looks like a beach ball. You yeah. can just, you know... And, and, and they're flying at the time. And, and it's the, like, like you just said, it's the same thing there. At the minute, it, like I say, he's probably second-guessing himself where he is, what do I do with this? And it's probably and, and not I helping him. I think he's having a lot a lot go against him. If you think about some of the goals that happened, that, that we've conceded this season, the header against Villa, right in the side netting, no keeper in the world saves it. He got criticised for it. The Man City goal, Cal Walker, it's one like that every six months. And... and most of the time, it goes miles wide. It goes right in the side net and right by the post, skimmed off the surface. No keeper saves it. The Ramsey, uh, the um, Tammy Abraham one the other day, it's just unlucky the way it's skidded off the surface and bounced up and gone into the side net. And again, it's not gone into the middle of the goal. It's gone into the side net and it's unlucky. And I've, I've even got an argument. I'm, I'm not saying that the second wasn't his fault because it was. But I've even got an argument that that's a freak of a goal as well. Three players bottled that. Low should have been the right side of the defender, the, the, the Chilwell to start with. Yeah. Three players bottled it and it ends up in the back of the net. It could have gone absolutely anywhere, but it ends up in. But to also, my counter-argument to that is to go along with my point, I, don't, I wouldn't claim to know much technically about a goalkeeper, but I do know if you're in doubt, come out and take the bloody line. Oh, 100%. It's his fault. He should have took our man, the ball, there, man. Whoever yeah. else was the referee, linesman, everybody. He should have took them all away. I'm on part. Yeah, but it's... Uh, I, I feel I feel there is a balance that we can't... 
I feel like he's getting a bit too much Ramsdale, but I also think stuff like that. The second and third, I thought, would be poor. Um, and I think, like, I think on Blades probably said the third, um, the third, like, a rush of blood or red because of frustration. Like, well, it shouldn't really be happening. Like, McBurney often wins, though. McBurney stands there and wins that header at corners quite a lot. And, he, he just and this got... is my point about him getting criticised. I've not heard anybody say, why is McBurney not winning that header? He's been out jumped by Thiago Silva, hasn't he? And, and then, but because if he's, if Bernie, sorry. I'm not saying he's in the wrong, by the way. I'm just saying nobody's questioned that. The thing, no, the no. thing is, as a defender there, Bernie doesn't even need to win that header. He just needs to be higher than Thiago Silva. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not a header where he has to come over the top of him. If he's higher than Thiago Silva, Silva flicks it on and it hits McBurney. Whether it flicks off his head for a corner, hits him square in the face, does whatever. Same for Ramsdale. If Ramsdale's coming, he's got to be higher than both people that he's jumping for because if they get a touch, it's past him. So you're right. Yeah, Ramsdale does take some blame, but I'm fairly certain if, again, and I know we can't do anything about it, but if O'Connell's playing and O'Connell's marking Thiago Silva, we don't concede that goal. O'Connell goes over the top of of Thiago Silva and wins the header. Sure of it. It's so it's so frustrating because I think we're all as well in his recruitment like our fantasy lists in the summer, even in like last January, we talk about players which really, really would have improved us. Um and and obviously there have been players that have come into the club who are exciting, young players, Berger, Brewster potentially, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you look at as well, like in a game like that. If you see teams of a similar ilk to us, they've got a lot more like what I'd call like a like functional squad players who probably are championship players. But like look at Brighton, they've now got about six centre halves and they're all six foot two. I mean Duffy went Celtic on loan. Like we we are, I just feel like we've got he's just exposing what little depth. And yeah, we are we are so short on depth. I totally and, agree. And the bench is depressing reading. Mm. You're not going to bring Jags on, so it's a waste of a sub. Robinson, you've got the two players he could come on for having absolute stinkers. Not Burke's not allowed on the pitch since he came back from Scotland for some reason. Maybe he's lost a bet with Wilder or something. Makes no sense whatsoever. Not that I think that was the game for him. And it was just either side. Oh right, Osborne's coming on when we lose it. What what I find odd with the recruitment is. Obviously, O'Connell got injured. That's fine. Surely we've got. Surely for every every first team player at United, there is a, a list of replacement players that we've got lined up for if they were to get injured or be sold. So if you know if if someone comes in for someone to come in for George Baldock over the summer, offered us thirty million for him. Wilder's then got two or three players lined up. Right, if Baldock goes, I'm buying him. But it seemed when O'Connell got injured, we were suddenly scratching around for, oh, we're having a bash for Pearson at Preston and Congolo, oh no, he's injured. There didn't seem to be any, which is odd for United recently because the, the, the recruitment's been really joined up. There seemed to be suddenly a like a, shit, what do we do now? Um, there didn't seem to be a, a kind of contingency plan in place. It's interesting as well because... We talk, I mean, people joked, oh, Brewster might not come to United because we've not won a game, etc., etc. 
January recruitment, if we are in a rut or we're even still in the relegation zone and we really need to bring in some players, providing money's available, like it becomes a very, it, 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 it's, a, it, it's always a really, dare I say, difficult market in January in the best of times. It, like, it's an absolute minefield. You've seen some recruit- real overpaid transfers in the past in January by clubs that have ended up going down, haven't you? Just Especially when scrambling. you're not recruiting from a position of strength. Mm. You're desperate to get a deal over the line, so you overpay. But you look at someone like Congolo, who, by all accounts, was injured, signed for Fulham. Well, more for them if, if he was injured, in my well, opinion. But has, then he's, has, has he played from you? Yeah, I think, he's, I think he's appeared off the bench, I think. Has he? I didn't think he yeah. But, you know... <laughs> It, it just, it just. Le- I'm not saying we should sign him, but, but the point being is someone else in our position. John, John hit the nail on the head earlier. We needed a set left centre half more than we needed Brewster, and that's not Brewster's fault because I do think he'll be someone good for us in the future. But he wasn't our priority then. We needed to fill that gap that's gapingly obvious. But it's also we needed a striker though, and we needed a midfielder. And now it, it, it's it's so difficult because now. And we're only, sound daft, we're only seven or eight weeks from the window opening. Will it be mid-November? Well, maybe a touch longer. I'm not wishing my life away. But it, we are in, we're, we're approaching the middle of November. And you're like, well, we will need a creative midfielder. We will need a left-sided centre-back. Some people think we need a goalkeeper. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm... I don't one. see that on him. No. I, I'm not saying I'm one of them, but it will be discussed. And like people, if Ramsdale uh, concedes goals and that second and third one with regularity between now and January, there will be clamour to get a keeper in. Like, the crazy, the, but the crazy thing is, we're carrying four keepers, aren't we? Um, yeah. but, but then you'd also go, oh. well, really, maybe we need to change the way we're playing. We need to look at a right and left winger. Yeah, maybe. I think I think if we carry on, I think we're probably taking a bit of thunder away from what we wanted to talk about next. To be honest, I think we should maybe draw a line under, the, under that as as picking the bones out of Chelsea. Maybe look at what what's next. Next, I think that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's draw a big line under Chelsea. Let's never speak of it again. <laughs> To, to part two, everyone, um, having very cheerfully picked the bones through a, a 4-1 gubbing at Stamford Bridge, uh, we're now going to look at the bigger picture of what's going wrong and what do we need to do to, to combat the, the kind of slump we're in at the minute. Um, I, I'm introducing this section because I've got a bit of a question for the rest of the lads um, that I wanted a, a kind of instant reaction to. Um, and it's really... I think it's one of the reasons that we've got such a problem this season. Describe us as a side. What are we? Do we have any identity at the minute? So, so describe our current identity. I, I, I think if you don't mind to go first, the, the first thing that we are that we haven't been for a long time is a soft touch. We're very, very easy to play against and that's not been us for a long time. 
maybe that's not quite an identity as such, but yeah, it, it was more. So it, it was more like if if you were to say describe Man City, you'd say okay, the possession heavy, it's tick attacker, they look to create the perfect chance, or you'd say Burnley are very well organised. They've got two big centre halves, two big forwards. They look to get balls into the box and and get a lot of goals from set pieces. What are we? Where do we fit between those? You know, are we a counter-attacking side? Are we a pressing side? Are we a possession-heavy side? Are we a flamboyant side? You, you, I don't. Th- I don't. I don't think. And you, you're right to ask the question. I don't think I could define it. You could try and say what we are from from stats, from the way in which we see ourselves play, which has been very much counter-attacking this season. I think that the issue is much of what. Much of what you hear from the media resorts to cliche, historic cliche, and much of what we see doesn't, rep- as Phil's alluded to, doesn't represent what we've seen for the last three or four years. So I, I think you're right. I think we are, we're, a, we're, we're lacking, we lack a sort of structure and belief in what we're doing. Maybe we've lacked the belief because we're not quite sure what we're doing and what we are. Sorry, that's, that's answered your question, but it's kind of talked around it. No, but you're right. You're right. John, what would you, how would you describe us? Unbalanced. I don't think... Is, that, any... is that the four of us, or is that United? <laughs> That's unhinged. <laughs> I think it's United. There's no balance in the midfield. There's no balance in the defence. There's no balance in the way we attack. We sometimes really do press the ball, but then others, we're reluctant to press the ball. Sometimes we're very good at retaining possession, being creative with his passes. Other times as decision-making, like the first goal at Chelsea, razor-sharp, quick, clever, on the point, movement's good. Other times, all that just completely, the arse falls out of it. I just feel like in terms of every game has a pattern of play, but we tend to, it happens for us a little bit, and then it just... It's like an old iPhone that only stays like, oh, you've... I've got my phone for the day and then you look at you know you need to replace your phone you look down at your iPhone after two and a half hours you're like shit I've got four percent why has that happened and you've not even used it so I just whims away with that we, did, we just we've not finished a game strongly particularly all season have we which is possibly a characteristic that we used to say we had think back to some of the games we love oh god I'm getting so upset about it all but we're just not very good we're listless we're not, we're not very good. I'll tell you one thing that we are, that's different to what I think we have been for quite a long time, is we're more of a long ball side than we have been. We go direct far, far more regularly than what we used to. And I don't mean in the same way that we did with Basic, because that was a purposeful ploy, that, that we went direct and we had runners on the back of Dean or, or whoever was up there to win those balls. We're just going long to McBurney a lot without a lot else happening. And it... it it seems aimless at times. And again, that could be back down to confidence, just taking the easy way out. Our ball retention. We're not a big ball retention side. But how much... I'd love to know what the possession stats were second half on Saturday. Yeah, we played a good side. About 82%. We, we just never, we never retained the ball at any point. It was like, well, we got the ball. Oh, we just lumped it long and it's coming back at us again. And it, when, when we're in our pump... I actually would say we retain the ball. I think we're quite good at game management in the last 10 minutes in in the last couple of seasons. Isn't I mean, it a year ago yesterday that we played Spurs? 
and that 20, 26 pass goal yeah. that Bulldog scored. Yeah. We've been good for the last season or so, retaining the ball in areas of the pitch. So we've never we've never been we've never really overplayed at the back. We've we've kind of knocked it across the like the, the horseshoe, if you like. But we've never overplayed for overplaying sake. When we tend to come into our own, has been final third. So like against Man United last season, where it was all tight little one and two touch triangles in the corner. That's that's all gone. And again, that is that. Is that something that comes with confidence and swagger, where you do a little, you know, the little one and two touch stuff at the minute? People don't want to do it because they don't want to be the one to lose it. And you'd also you'd really expect Booster to be in and around doing bits of that. And I think Fleck Fleck orchestrates a lot of stuff. We've talked about without the ball, Fleck's excellent orchestrating the press a number of times over the years on here. But I think. We really, the thing is with Fleck is we just want someone to play a ball into McBurney's feet from deep, from 30 yards, just, just right on McBurney's there, I'm going to pass it, and he can hold it up. But when he's receiving the ball, he can feel the defender, but not having to think, well, I've got to jump this, where the hell Brewster, there's no one running from midfield, the fullbacks will be here in about 10 minutes, oh, I've lost the ball. And we've we, we not... There's no patterns of play through through the through the thirds, which were which would be characterised being excellent at. You know what I mean? And I think it comes down to. I do, I do think a large part of that is that we are missing Fleck, though. We we don't give teams anything at all to think about on our left hand side. We need. I, I, we've only scored four goals this season, yeah. so it's probably a bad example. But I can't think of any times where we've created chances down the left hand side. Everything's come the down the left. goal in the cup was down the left, wasn't it? Because that's when everybody decided that Max Lowe was better than our greatest ever left back. Fleck really does make us tick. Fleck yeah. absolutely makes us tick. Like you say, in and out of possession. When, when, when we're on the ball and when he's on the ball, he dictates the tempo and he's the one that, that drives the team on and commits people. And when we're out of possession, like you say, he's the one that's chasing and harrying and... And that you often find if someone, it's it's almost infectious. Someone someone presses and the rest of the team press, or someone wins a tackle, and that almost spurs the rest of the team on to to win a tackle and drive on that extra yard or two. We're, we're missing that. We're missing. It's a bit of a cliche, but we're missing a spark. And yeah. I think Flex probably the embodiment of what we need as a as a team at the minute. If you think about like the Wolves game, uh, the first game of the season when we did have Flex. And we did have O'Connell. Apart from the stupid 10 minutes, we actually were more like us as selves in the second half. Just nothing really fell. Fleck hit the post, didn't he, with that shot and stuff. But I think what, what the way out of this is, and I don't know what what you you chaps think, is that I think, and uh, they were talking about this on Guardian Football Weekly this week, Barry Glenn Denning said a few weeks ago, Chris Wilder said that the players need to get up to date with the system again. And he was obviously paraphrasing. I remember he's a national journalist. He don't look at us in. And he, was, he said that Wilder was bullish and saying things will turn around. The players need to like commit more. And his opinion was that we were missing John Fleck. He also thinks that maybe it isn't just the system. It, maybe it isn't just the key personnel. It's that we need to look at the system and change it. And I'm coming very much round to the idea of when you're not winning football matches 
you need to set up, you need to stop the things that preventing you from not winning the match, don't you? And the first thing to do is stop yourself competing, conceding goals. Now, obviously, we've not been dicked, apart from at the weekend, particularly. But if you look through our team, you can make you can make a case for... We haven't got any wingers, so we've got to decide how many you play at the back, and then it's what combination in midfield and two up front, isn't it, and how you do that. And I, I think you need to go to a flat four at the back, and we need to look to progress the ball through the middle of the pitch quicker, when occasionally you might see Stevens and Bulldog or Bogle and Lowe, whoever, get involved a bit more because we're not, we're not, we've got that five at the back, which means that you can defend the box to an extent and you won't ever get battered. But with that back five at the minute is getting, is conceding more shots and all this that we've talked about. So the area that we need to address is the area in front of that. So whether or not you go, right, I'm going to play Ampadu there with Norwood, or I'm going to just play Ampadu there, and then he can drop back in, and he's sort of, you know, you know like a, in between a middle centre-half and a CDM, and then you have another three, uh, another two or three in front of him as 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 Fleck, Norwood and Berg was the more progressive players, with then, you know, what combination you do in front of that, and when you're being more positive... Do you say, right, well, it'll be Berger and Fleck with Norwood or Ampadu behind, and then it'll be McGoldrick in the hole? They're the sort of discussions I'd be having to improve things. Because at the moment, Dan, the question about identity, the fact we can't answer it needs to be addressed. That was a right rant, sorry. So, okay, I'm... I'm going to be a little bit objective. So you, what you're talking about is that, that wholesale things are wrong and we need to change the uh, formation. And I, I get that, especially on the back of getting dicked by Chelsea and being toothless against Man City. Arguably, we were a better side against Leeds and some poor finishing cost us. We were a better side for an hour against Fulham and poor finishing cost us. We probably should have won both of those games, but didn't. If we'd have gone into these three games sat on six points at that point of time in the season and still had the same results or performances that we just had, I think we'd perhaps be a little less desperate to change the formation than what we are now. The fact that we've got the worst ever start to a Premier League season and we're sat here on one point, obviously people are going to question things like that. I guess where I'm coming from or where I'm coming to is we haven't been that bad at times this season. The results have been awful, but we haven't been that bad. We've just not put a full, complete performance together for 90 minutes. I just think I, personally, I think a, a complete system change now, formation, system, call it what you want, 10 games into the season, would potentially cause more problems than it solved. I'm, I'm with you. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I'm with you. I, I'm just not sure with the next two fixtures we've got coming up, where we need to get points. Should we, and, and I take John's point, I think we are, I don't think we've got the, I don't think we've got the players to play this formation, this system to our full potential at the minute. But do we want to potentially cause more disruption when we've got two games that we should be going out there looking to win? 
Well, the counter-argument to that is we're not creating chances and we're not putting ourselves in a position to win games by playing this way. We were, though. That's kind of where I was coming from. We haven't done the last two and a bit games, well, but we yeah. were. I know, I, I know, but at the same time, and we see he is all he is all devil's advocate. But we didn't win those games because, and I'm not Paul saying it's only because of the formation. It's because of it was because of poor finishing. We didn't, in my opinion, we didn't beat Leeds and Fulham because of poor finishing. Well, the goalkeeper had um, a goalkeeper had the game of his life against us in the Leeds game, and then in Fulham, I think maybe the. Morale of us of Mr. McBurney. If it had been last March when he'd had those chances, he would have had an hat trick in the first half. Uh, but if, if if we'd have had the last two results we've had, so coming off Liverpool, we were all quite optimistic on here. We'd played well, we'd given as good as we got, and we'd been beaten by probably the best side in the country. But we'd seen different a different application. We were a lot more front foot. Playing the same system as we have for the last three years and the same system we've played for the last two games. If we'd have had performances, set aside the results, like Liverpool against Man City and Chelsea, even if we'd have still lost both games, we wouldn't be calling for a complete system overhaul now. We'd be saying, we're that far away. It's just a couple of little tweaks. We've just got to maybe, you know, a change of personnel, bogling for Baldock, whatever it is. Um, that's the only thing. It's not. I, I don't think it's a falling down of the system. I think it's deeper than the system. I think it's the, like we said before, we're running 25% less. We're sprinting 25% less. We're tackling 25% less. So no, if, we're, if we're talking about what we need to do better going forward, that's it. We need to get back to the work rate that we had before. We need to get back to the tackles that we were doing before, the, the running that we were doing before and the pressing that we were doing before because that's what we're not doing incessantly closing their centre-halves down, not letting, not letting their centre-halves rest on the ball, not giving them a second, snapping into tackles in the middle of the park. That's what we're not doing at the minute. It's so and hard. Do you know what? People, people talk about these three games that we've just had and then kind of start the season again now. Our next five games aren't easy. I mean, there's no easy games in the Premier League, but West Ham aren't as bad as what I thought they were going no. to be this season. West Brom's going to be a game that we've got to win. Southampton are flying. Who else have we got after that? I know we've got Man United. United we've got Man United, the Man fifth United of the five Leicester. games, haven't we? Leicester, that's it. So Leicester, Man United. It, I, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and be negative, but it's not inconceivable that we lose all five of them. <laughs> You're right. I, th- I think from the next Thanks, two... Phil. I'm just going off to the bathroom. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean, though? That it's the five tough games. I don't oh, think we will. I think maybe my... my I was getting a bit too ahead of myself. But I do think you, there needs to be something changed. Because it's not working. The, the, the issue with changing the formation for me is... And I think Dan, I think Dan alluded to it. We're struggling to have the right players to cope with the gaps we've got in the formation and the way of playing we've got now. But we haven't, to my mind, got players that easily slot into a change of formation that gives us potentially the width we need and the ability to free up a player. So, so if we were going to change it, I think you want you want you've got to go out to wing game. To me, you still have two strikers, but there's a role for McGoldrick playing in behind because he's the best option we've got to play in the hole. 
Now, if you drop to a, a back four to do that, you've got to then potentially protect your back four with someone like an Ampadu sitting in the midfield. I'd, I wanna, I'd want to see no one in the midfield, but fundamentally, I think Ampadu would do that job better. And then you're looking at Berger on one side, Fleck if fit on the other. But the only other option you could then think of to play down that left side for me, and you, people will make claims for Osborne or Lowe playing in, the, in that role. It, we touched on it earlier. You could put Burke potentially on one of those on wide roles potentially to give us some pace or something to get in behind. But but again, it, it feels like square pegs in round holes a little bit. Yeah, it, and and that's the difficulty with the, the size of squad we've got. I think Dan touched on one of the changes I would make personnel wise. I think we've all pretty much agreed that Ampadu should come back into the side because he's one of the better defensive-minded players that we've got and we're struggling defensively. Stevens is our best left-back. Put Stevens back at left-back, put Ampadu at left-centre-half. It, it yeah. should make us harder to score against because we've got a better defender in there than what we had and we've got a, a square peg in a square hole in Stevens at left-wing-back. And, and, you take, and you're taking Low out of the firing line because I think he possibly needs to come out for a game or two, having because he was not far off objective. Baptism of fire. You know what it reminded me of, Dan? Uh, Brandon Williams' first half, Manny went home last year. Where he looked like yeah. he cried. Just looked, yeah, like he could have burst into tears at any time. Like he did his mum. Right. <laughs> and, and that's sort of criticism of him, but we've, we've bought. I, I, I've got a real problem with it. I, I've got a real problem with the absolute hyperbole of praise towards him after having an half decent game in the cup. It's like like people have invested that this 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 young kid who's never played in the Premier League would be able to do this for us. And it's not like I know people let people go, but John, you've gone on about Brewster and he's never played in the Premier League. Well, I think he has as a sub for Liverpool, but let's not get pedantic. The difference is with Lolo's an older player and he's not an, he's not like a top-rated international coming in from like one of the biggest, arguably one of the biggest clubs in the country, the reigning champions. We've signed him from Derby, who had him out on loan. And and people have just invested so much like faith in this player. And it's, it's it baffles me. I've, I've worked with a Derby fan and I used to work with an Aberdeen fan. And funny enough, the Aberdeen fan when we signed him said... Good, good player, tidy for us. Feels like a bit of a step up for him. And the Derby fan I was chatting to today at work, and he was saying, you know, it's on about, you know, we've, we've struggled down the left side. And he says, just a, just a big step up for lad. He's a talented footballer, but it's a massive ask to then suddenly start playing against Man City, Chelsea. And I expected him it's to perform. He's a team that's already struggling as well. It's easy yeah. to blood players when it's easy to work players like that in. Aller Osborne last season, when you're in a positive position, there's a defined system, the players believe in the system because, yeah, I, I think was one thing that I think has to happen is we need to just play as best players. So we need to play Norwood. And it really, like, it shouldn't be up for debate. Oh, I think he showed, he showed that for 11 minutes on Saturday and then didn't show it for the next 79 or whatever it was. <laughs> but they were all crap, weren't they, Phil? That's the thing. So I yeah. Think, uh, and, and obviously we need to play Berger and we, we gave him 25 minutes of airtime last week. But Lundstrom, get him, he, he's done. 
Yeah, the one positive I've just heard tonight is that Norway's international with Israel's being called off, so Berger's not risking playing another 90 minutes for country. Is that just two games he's got rather than the three? I think so, yeah. Even one, 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 rather, one rather than potentially, two. Potentially two. Yeah. Ender's pulled out, haven't he? Yeah. yeah. Injured. <laughs> Knackered, I'd imagine. I hope he's having a few pints of Guinness with his feet up with his missus. Poor lad. But like, oh, we've not cheered ourselves up. I, I, I personally think we should try some wholesale changes. So it can't get any worse. But then you maybe have talked me around a bit more to being so ha- so bad. But we, what I have to say, we have to play your best players, lads. If we don't play the best players, we're going to get battered against West Ham. So we will run that left channel absolutely ragged. Uh, can I pose a different different question? And this is, this is, and I know my answer to this straight away, but someone opposed it on S24SU. I dipped in there for the first time in a while uh, at lunchtime today and dipped out again. Because <laughs> someone opposed the question, is, has Wilder got a handful of games left? And it surprised me how many people genuinely responded in the affirmative to that. I would be amazed uh, and, and unless we're still on one point in 15 games time then no I, I don't see a situation where he's where his job's under threat if Chris Wilder had taken us over at the start of last season and given us the season that we get that we had if we'd have been mm. I don't know an established Premier League team and had been for four or five years but we made a change and Wilder took over as our manager at the start of last season, then yes, I would say now we'd be questioning whether we need to get rid and move on. The fact that he's given us the three years or four years that he has, that I just don't see a world where you can get rid of him. I just don't. He's not just given us so much joy. He's rebuilt the club from the bottom up in terms of getting us to where we are in, in the football pyramid in terms of getting the academy rebuilt for the uh, for the first team squad, for putting a, a scouting network in that we didn't have before. Everything that he's done, like he said, putting his fingerprints all over the club, has improved the club. You can't just wash that away. You can't. And that was my view, reading it. But I was just amazed, like I say... There was quite a few people on that thread suggesting that if we don't pick something up in the next two or three games, then the question has to be asked properly. And I was, oh, it, but then, like you say, he's got his fingerprints all over it. He deserves a the time to to deal with this. And I think we've alluded to before. If the worst came to the worst, I'd rather have him there to bring us back. But who else could come in and do a better job at the moment? The thing is, someone could come in and do a better job. It does happen. That manager spike yeah. does happen. It doesn't always, but it does happen. So somebody could come in. I don't know. For example, Tony Pulis could come in. And, <laughs> and, uh, that name from? <laughs> but it, someone like that could come in and keep us up, right? Yeah. But then we've got a bleak future because we know what he gives us long term. We know that yeah. that is somebody that's got no forward thinking. He's not got that short, medium and long term planning that Wilder always talks about. The last yes. thing you want to say is a firefighter coming in and doing a exactly. job for six months. An Allardyce or a Pulis or a Hardy or someone. Imagine that, but he's, 
Allardyce rocking up. No. I think we've said enough on this section. We're going fucking so, nuts. Here. Sorry, I just I took it down <laughs> the there, but it just like I say, I raised it because I read it, and I just struggled. I str- I, I that was that. That was the end of my viewing. It, I'm glad we've all said the same anyway. Put it that yeah. way. Before the before the comical one, uh, uh, the comical section we've got coming up. I've got a question. Do we stay up, Phil? Yes. Ian. Yes, by the skin of our teeth. Dan? Exactly what I was going to say. Skin of our teeth, we will pick up more points than Fulham, Burnley and uh, West Brom. But I think that's the same as Grace. There are teams down there that are quite poor, and there's a few. Burnley are struggling, but Brighton are struggling. Obviously, Fulham and West Brom are going to be there or thereabouts all season. There's always someone else that drops in. I don't Leeds think will Leeds will be in. that... Yeah, I don't think Leeds will be that far away come the end of the season. They've, they've conceded eight in the last two, haven't they? Mm-hmm. I, I think we go down. I I just I've just got a bad feeling about it. So you should have you should have gone first then because then we all said up and you said down so we've finished on another. Not not the negative. Not when Sandal Alan Partridge, but that was a negative. I now need two positives. John, <laughs> think about the structure. Right, yeah. Sorry, boys, but that's that's how I'm feeling at the minute. <laughs> right, so we need to make the next section a bit a bit chirpier then. Absolutely. These trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being cleaned. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Had them done at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me someone who's got a bit of a trader for headship. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. They're on Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks. Or they have a website, www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them around yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel, and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their industry again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. Actually, Sheffield Wednesday is not that big. One consistent in my footballing life and one consistent in my recent footballing life is even when things aren't going our way, that shower from S6 always do cheer me up. And when in a week they've been linked with Phil Neville, Sol Campbell, Sven Goran Eriksson and Tony Pulis for the job, I thought we'd take a time for us all reflect on a former Wednesday manager that was particularly humorous and just take the piss out of the pigs for 15, 20 minutes to cheer ourselves up. So, Dan, uh, I believe you're going with somebody who once had a scarf. Yeah, I mean, it's not particularly humorous. It's more just for me to vent me spleen about how much I dislike 
square-headed prick Brian Laws. Um, it was just, you can probably all remember, it was desperate to be their version of Warnock. It was absolutely desperate to be there. So obviously Warnock would never miss an opportunity to, to wind the Wednesday fans up and have a little dig. And Laws was just desperate to be to be the same, thought of in the same vein as Warnock. So he'd always be, you know, my wife's a Wednesday fan, running down the running down the touchline, waving his scarf. Um, always, you know, having a dig at his little slide digs in, in, in interviews. And it really sticks in my crow that he managed to, he's going to dine out on doing the double over us. I think, you know, only time in Wednesday's history they've ever done a league double over us. And it was under him. Um, so I've kind of taken great, great, Pride and, and great happiness in, in him getting sacked everywhere he's been since since he was there. But yeah, I just I, I really really intensely disliked him. Other than Gary Megson, I don't think there's a Wednesday manager that I've actually disliked as much as I as I disliked him. You know, they've had some comedy ones, and they've had some that I kind of grudgingly didn't mind. You know, I never minded Big Ron. I was you know a bit of a character, but yeah, I just intensely disliked Brian Laws. Um, so unfortunately mine's like humorous it's just how much I hate that twat I mean you put that so eloquently I, I hated Laws and I I know what you mean it, that set of players that he had at Wednesday when they did the double overs and when he got them up um, out of League One or whatever it was called back then did he get them up? didn't he win playoff final? no that was Sturrock was it? All oh, right. Yeah. Well, at least. Well, by the way, an anagram of Paul Sturrock's name is Pork Crust. <laughs> Just in case you were interested. Actually, true. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I've not. Hang on. You talk amongst yourselves while I. Uh, <laughs> was it just a pen and paper? Well, yeah. Brian Laws, uh, despite me being historically wrong, absolute bellend. I remember him waving scarf around, trying to give it the old Warnock, Warnock action, and. We all dislike him, but like you said, Dan, did he go on to manage at Burnley and got sacked there and a few other places? Yeah. He loomed up on Look North last night or the night before, being their expert on the uh, the Wednesday recruitment of a new manager. Looming bison head like into my TV screen. Right. TV went dark instantly. Yeah, didn't, didn't, didn't need a dark. Uh, Zoom An anagram of Paul Sturrock is pork crust all. <laughs> but it's close enough. <laughs> It'll do. It's not quite as good as Colin Wanker, is it? But No, it's not quite as good, but it's, you know, it's, it's close enough. Bill. Got the word pork in there. Who would you like to reflect on from uh, managing the shite? So, so I'm going, to Dan's point just then, there are a few managers that they've had that begrudgingly I... I I don't mind, in fairness, and this this is one of them. I, I don't mind him for various different reasons. One of the earliest memories in football is seeing him skipping across the pitch after winning a particularly big cup game, I think it was, for Luton Town. And it's David Pleat. <laughs> part of the reason that I quite like David Pleat is partly because he's got a stupid, silly voice. He look like, it looks like everybody's weird uncle. <laughs> He was the manager that started the rot for him because when he got sacked in twenty in nineteen ninety seven, that was the season. He got sacked in about November and they were bottom of the league and they ended up getting relegated that season, I think. Or it might have been the season after. But he certainly started the rot. But the one thing that he said whilst being their manager, commentating on a game in Euro ninety six between I think it was Denmark and Croatia, 
doesn't Hillsborough look splendid decked out in red and white all the way around? <laughs> <laughs> it's just stuck with me forevermore. So that's the reason I'm going for him. There's that and the other reason being we used to sing a song about him to the tune of Cheer Up Sleepy Jean and I didn't really know why we sung it, but we sung it anyway. Did he remember that. going round Neep's End with his window down? I don't know whether that's true. I don't know that, whether we sung that for a factual reason or we just made it. Wait, was always a little bit boring. You'd imagine he went home to do a jigsaw on a Saturday rather than going and seeing what the local business was available. <laughs> At least your mates didn't think your dad looked like David Pleat because that's what I got. Oh really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I never saw it myself. David Pleat, Ian. Thank you. I'll, I'll be pleased to hear that. Did you ever? Did you ever get him to recreate? Like, put a suit on and like skip across the garden. Like, did you ever get him to? Recreate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had a dodgy suit of that ilk. It was a wedding suit. Yeah. Now, uh, at least he wasn't his birthday suit. Um, so, so, does anybody? Can anybody actually? And obviously, this is a, a not necessarily a factual podcast. But was there some substance behind this? Uh, the the curb crawling song that we used to sing. Allegation. I'd say that. Well, Googling my life on air, but I'd say that... Just, I'm just doing a, that very thing. Being a pervert was like these days being called someone who maybe does things they shouldn't do with people of a certain age. Like, I think through generations, we've, we've like our, oh, you perv. You want, when did somebody else get called a pervert? Like, it, like it doesn't get happened. Well, it doesn't happen as often. Oh, he's a pervert. It's straight to now the N word. Um, you know the word I mean. Stop digging, John. <laughs> well, but yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we don't culturally, culturally, uh, culturally. Uh, Ian Wright got um, hauled in front of the FA in 1996 to explain his comments when, in a post-match interview, he branded David Pleat a pervert and said, "You can print that." Um, but it appears that there's no substance to it. Well, he always denied it, didn't it make David Pleater said, Ian has been misled, his, his words aren't worthy of comment. Just for, just for, for no, clarification, listen, that's Ian Wright that he's talking about there, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was one of the, like, do you know what I mean though, like, um, the, I think that maybe is just is true of the culture of the time. That, oh, he's a dirty, dirty old man. Well, that's not really used as banter as much anymore, is it? Whereas obviously in the nineties, he was like Harry Enfield sketches and stuff of dirty old men, and Pleat fits into that quite well. Is he still? still going? Did he pass away? He's not passed away. No, no. But he's, he's still he's still been on Five Live now and then. Is that old? Like you say, is that old school comment? Like comment that that comment you've attributed in there, Phil, of, of looking at Hillsborough, is the kind of thing he comes out with. He, he has this tendency to use very flowery old school language and and descriptors in, in his commentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, his training manuals, Garth Crooks. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Garth Crooks probably modelled himself on David Pleat, but. You were, uh, yeah, like David Pleat commentary uh, training and Garth Cook's training, um, training course. Right, take the Theosaurus and eat it. And now, now use all the words you've just digested at completely inappropriate times. Um, but who's yours, Ian? Because we'll say uh, mine's, mine's quite a good one as well, but who's yours? I've, I've pondered around the guy 
who looked like he should have been in um, duty free as a waiter in Josh Lukai. I pondered on him for a bit. Not just enough made. Not enough made about funny that was. It was just a man who a man who was he'd had lots of jobs in Germany, but he was kind of just promoted above his station and just bumbled along. Didn't pick the best players. I, I, to be honest, I quite liked him because he, he he was just an utter shambles. And and wasn't he in charge when they celebrated the infamous nil nil draw at Bramall Lane that, yeah. that gained them three glorious points apparently. Um, I remember so, that one when New or whatever he's called came off bench and fouled somebody in like ninety third minute and turned out to Wednesday fans and gave it gave it fist. I thought you were absolute. I, do you know what? I saw some Wednesday fans when he got released. Did he get released last season, New And they were yeah. saying, you know, we'll always have that tackle at Bramalane. This is a striker <laughs> that's played from for about five years, and his highlight reel is basically pancaking one of our centre halves thirty seconds after coming on. <laughs> They'll always have that tackle. They called him Dave, didn't they? And they all had that lad I play football with at work wears a t-shirt saying "Dare to New New Who." Christ. The the um, Bruce crossed my mind because anybody who you know does what he did to Wednesday and takes the piss out of them and uh, goes off to the Caribbean for a cricket tour and. leaves them waiting and then buggers off at the first opportunity but then he did that to us so I found you know yeah kind of <laughs> nice of it to us do you know what the one I, the one I absolutely hate and I know it's a bit of a free hit but Gary Megson oh god we should do a Megson podcast he makes me want to put my foot through the TV if he ever appeared on it it's that kind of he just gives me a. am not a I'm quite a calm rational not a violent person but he just Create some sort of primal violence inside me when I see him. Primal aggression aggression out of nowhere. He just irritates the hell out of me. Just his just him, just him being on the telly. What makes me laugh about Megson as well is is how his name has been mentioned in the last seventy-two hours as a suitable appointment for Wednesday. You can have him. No, but they hold him in that high regard. He's not had a job since. Didn't he go in at West Brom for like a week? And after he'd been there a day, there was a news headline saying uh, four members of coaching staff have left West Brom at Albion today. So he's clearly first day on job, been throwing his weight around. You listen to Alan Rogers under Kosh. Yeah, it's only one person's opinion, but I'll take the scouts that I don't really know much about. Scouts fullback from the 90s I don't know much about over that ginger sod. And listened like... The way he trapped players and stuff. Oh God, I hate him. I mean, the, I mean, the firm, the, the firm that my missus used to work for, he was a client of theirs, and my missus was his kind of point of contact. And she used to say, "I've had, I've had Megs and phone today, and I've had Gary Megs and phone." I said to her at one point, "I said, if it rings up, just just tell him to fuck off, the ginger bastard." And she went, "But I'll get sacked." And I went, "We'll manage. We'll, we'll find. You know, we'll, we'll find a way. It'll be it'll be absolutely worth it." She never did, I hastened to add, but... No, but you confronted him in Tesco, didn't you? I confronted him in Tesco. I mean, not confronted, that sounds terrible. Not confronted as in, I've just kind of old abuse at him from, you know, side of frozen peas. Um, when, it, when you were at Till, you were pig. Pig. No, that will waddle. <laughs> that will waddle, because um, he, he goes in the Tesco near me as well. Um, I mean, we, obviously, Phil, I think you were there when we all confronted him when he used to run past Wagon on a Thursday night after we'd finished training. 
<laughs> to the point where he changed his changed his running route because he just had nine or ten blades stood outside wagon just saying Ginger Wednesday bastard every time he ran past. <laughs> um, so yeah, he changed his running route. But no, I, I'm with you, Ian. I cannot abide the man. Just had that smug, smug grin and just his his whole manner. You just know that he's playing this thing and he's just a real horrible piece of work. And I go back to the whole Battle of Bramall Lane thing and him taking some sort of moral high ground in all this. And it just it just made me sick. Didn't he, didn't he interviewed Fitzgerald and Warner got it as well, didn't he? Yeah. I, am, yeah. I, I can't believe we did it. Yeah. By all accounts, he was about to get it. Yeah, yeah, but favourite by all accounts. I just <laughs> that sums the man up. That's the thing. It's like I dare say I don't think any of us saw would go for Wednesday job. Not that we were oh, uh, only in the same vein as Neil Warnock <laughs> <laughs> or Josh Luke. I. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd quite happily take chance here his money for three years and uh, and then said that's a lot. Checks might bounce. I don't know. I, I don't fancy wearing Elevate either. I bet it's maybe really cheap, nasty material, and I won't, I've got quite sensitive skin. But yeah, I'd, what annoyed me about Megson is he sort of coined that the, the phrase "the massive," um, which is which is an infuriating phrase in its own right. Um, and I remember when it, uh, it. I think I can't remember who they signed, but I'm gonna has might have been. Jack Hunt or somebody around that time and uh, Megson did an interview where he said oh yeah what I tend to do with players is I walk them out of the tunnel at Hillsborough which in the middle of the pitch by the way which really annoys me walk them out of the tunnel at Hillsborough and, um, and I take them up cop and I said don't turn around until you get to the top and when they turn around I say look at this and when the old girl's bouncing you'll know what it means to be a Wednesday player. And when I heard that, I nearly projectile vomited. Why do they call the girl, the ground the old, let's get the old girl rocking? Like, what, who are these people? Do they? I've, I've, do you know, I've never heard that before. I never want to hear it again in my life. I've just been sick in my mouth. <laughs> but my... Is that, was that not David Pleat's line for it? Without <laughs> getting an old girl rocking? Oh no, sorry, sorry. Probably, probably, probably I misheard that. William Rooney's eight man, you know. I ain't one the job up now. <laughs> I, uh, for me, um, the one that's given me the ultimate, and he, had, he was there in various roles for a number of years, Peter Shreves, just because he sounded like Zippy from Rainbow and he was very, very strange. Now, I was a bit reluctant to mention him because I had to check he was still alive, but Peter Shreves is still alive and well, don't we? Don't wish him, uh, wish him a But he's a Shreves. Like, it was almost like it was a joke. And, well, it was a joke. And he, he was there as assistant manager. I think he, he, he'd he been there on with plea and then he had the job full time. And unfortunately... Were Danny Wilson's assistant? I think he was Pleat and then Wilson. Yeah. Then he took over head of youth development. I mean, I'm still waiting to find out, apart from Liam Palmer, who actually has come through Wednesday's youth system in the last 20 years. Hardy. <laughs> but actually come through at Hillsborough. <laughs> it's your chest. But yeah, Shreve. Shreve, sorry. De- Pete, he was Peter Shreve. Oh, very strange man. And... 
Um, yeah. So. Well, it, it seems to me. I'm not about Zippy. It always reminded me of um, Harold Steptoe. His voice. There's all of them. That's Jamie Vardy. Oh, yeah. No, it was Albert Steptoe. They could have made a pair together. But, no, Shreves yeah. to me is a bit. He's a bit nondescript. Other than like say, having a. I thought. Didn't he have a really high pitched voice? Yeah, he's got a bit of a kind of. He's he's almost like a, a kind of higher octave Roy Hodgson, isn't he? He's kind of got that. I, I just I just found Shreves to be quite amusing and. Um, like the fact that when he opened his mouth, I thought somebody was on a wind up. <laughs> I think that's that's a good. I think that's a good quality to have in your rival's manager. What's the uh, advice? I think I've just found a video of him. I think it, I just recall him being very dull as well. So it's, I don't know if this will come through, but this is. Uh, if you look at it from you know, starting game at Wolverhampton away, it was a disappointing season from our point of view. Uh, the fans were magnificent. The team um, oh, oh, hey, oh. Yeah, that is Roy Hodgson. Not, not got much about him, has he? Is no. it, I thought he had a bit more of a high-pitched voice at him. I thought yeah, I did. Will Stone Raider. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, but, but wasn't working for Wednesday grind you down after a while. Well, yeah, but, yep, fans have been magnificent. They always are ills, but always but, magnificent. But, so, who do we think would be the funniest one for them to get? Oh, Sol Campbell, 100%. Because it turned as soon as he starts having shit results, because he will, it would turn into a race problem and Wednesday become a racist club as well. <laughs> what was it? He, he was, was it at Southampton? At Southend, sorry. When, uh, when he, um, they were about 12 when he took over. And then he ended up getting relegated. Like, and he forgot the score, or he forgot the name. We were cl- he forgot the, name the, of the name. team. He called Southend Southampton, I think, in, a, in an interview. Interviewer had to kind of wind him back. To be honest, the one for me, which I didn't, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John's just put a semi-naked or naked, possibly a picture of Sol Campbell on the screen, which is we we appear to have got our screens, uh, our, our pods picture for this week. That's, yeah, that's definitely Luke. There you go. That's the pod pictures for tomorrow. Um, I didn't realise Sven was still in football management and was a, a legitimate contender for uh, for the Wednesday job. So for me, I think Sven would be great. I think just because he's so out of touch and he's it's yeah, he's, he's got Wednesday written all over him. Would he bring it would be, grip? Yeah, Todd Grip. It, Sven would be a typical Chancery kind of appointment, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Yeah, but but then he'll need. To, but then Chancery in the same breath is telling Wednesday fans that you know, not a big club. Sheffield Wednesday, not a big club. So. And it cost him a fortune. There's no way. There's no way. Sven's coming on a a deal till the end of the season. He's going to want a two or three year deal on massive money, and like I say, he's coaching staff, and he's going to want money to spend in January. So he could, he, he could, you know, shove them further down. He could really do some more long term damage to them. So I'm all, I'm, I'm all in for that. Anyone that does long term damage to Wednesday is uh, good, good for me. <laughs> he's a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I really hope. The, um, I really, really hope they don't get Paul Cook. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't mind Paul Cook. He's a good manager and he seems like a decent bloke, so I'd I'd be gutted if they got Cook, to be honest. I'd also be very happy with Pulis because they're not a team geared up to play long ball football. Their best players are a midget that plays in middle and midfield. Uh, Or Phil Neville. I'd I'd be happy with Phil Neville as well. So would I. I've got a better Oh, yeah. What did you get? Uh, 25 to 1. No. Phil Neville would be uh, would be quite an interesting one. I'd like him. I mean, there's I, a I joke would... in there about managing <laughs> don't managing a team full of fannies or something. There? There's there's something in there. I mean, the thing is with Phil Neville, he's been in trouble. He he he'd always, he'd, he'd probably say something controversial as well. Like apparently he's been told off after dinner speaking in past and stuff for telling like racist and sexist jokes. Uh, so, I mean, they might not be allowed to take over them anyway. If uh, Salford go up, they could be playing Salford next year. Mm, yeah, interesting. Not thought about that. Conflict of interest. Mm. It's quite nice to round off a very subdued pod by wishing ill on Wednesday, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's made me feel better about myself anyway. <laughs> I mean, and and we probably a weekend off football. We can maybe come back before the West West Ham game and try and do a shorter, more optimistic affair. Well, we've we've got um, we've got a special to hopefully record next week for you for everybody. Well, do you want to introduce that? That what we're planning for next week, or do you think? Well, we'll, we'll, we'll not we'll not say too much, but let's just say that that we've drawn some parallels from the situation we're in now. And uh, we're going to hopefully chat to uh, a player who's been through uh, similar challenges to what United are facing as part of a squad. Um, and hopefully get some of his take on how they dealt with it at the time and, and came through in a positive way. So hopefully it will be a much more positive pod next week and some good memories for people. Yeah, we're hoping we, might, we might laugh at least once. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that's cryptic enough to get the, the people... Uh... Wondering and asking questions as well. So. If they're still alive and they've not got walking down a train track after listening to it first. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, gonna say, I'm not sure I'd still be listening to us by this stage. Yeah, this is just indul- us indulging ourselves for <laughs> 20 minutes, isn't it? Just, just <laughs> screaming into a void. I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll put some questions. I'll put put a trailer out on, on Twitter near the recording next week and uh, see if people want to ask any questions around the, the topic That's that we're idea. doing. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Right. There's only one thing left to say then. All the blades. All the blades. And down the owls. <laughs> Actually, Sheffield Wednesday is not that big. If you go into a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the pub on. I've changed the marae, by the way, so if anybody wants to buy me a marae, right, well, I'd say Peroni as well.